party people. Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I'm your host as always, Jeff Stormer, and this week on the show, I am joined by Joey Martin for a game of Follow Me Down. Follow Me Down is a two-player, powered-by-the-apocalypse role-playing game inspired by the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. Players take on the role of the legendary doomed lovers as they navigate the underworld trying to reunite with one another before their fated trial, passing through the underworld, unable to look at each other, and hopeful that they can see the light of day and see one another again in the world above. The game is super fun, super cool, and I was really happy with the story that we told. I think it's a great episode. I really dug it. Uh, the game is currently on Kickstarter. It has already, I believe, funded. So go check the show notes for more information. Go check out Follow Me Down on Kickstarter. Back the game, help make it happen. And you can find a link to the game in the show notes. Um, I don't have a whole lot to cover today, so why don't we go ahead and throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. Uh, this week, I am so, so excited to be sitting down with Joey Martin. Joey, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. Thank you for having me. I, I am so, so excited to be sitting down to play this game today. This is going to be uh, a wonderful experience. Uh, so speaking of the game that we are playing, though, why don't you take a moment to let the lovely listeners at home know about what we are playing this week, as well as anything else you've got going on that you might want them to know about. Okay, so the game that we're going to be playing today is called Follow Me Down. It is a two-player Powered by the Apocalypse game, and it is based on the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. Hell yeah. I, I, I read through the game uh, today, and I'm, I'm, I'm dying with excitement. I love, the, <laughs> I love the structure of it. I'm really excited. I, we just created our characters, and I feel like we created really uh, lovely uh, iterations on these two characters. And so I am uh, very excited to dive in. Do you just want to go ahead and, and get rolling? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, should we introduce who we are playing first, or should we go through the prelude? Let's introduce who we're playing first. All right. I am playing the character of, uh, Orpheus. Uh, you can call me Orpheus. I don't like other, other names. Uh, my name is Orpheus, and I prefer you call me that. Uh, naturally gifted with the ability to turn both heads and hearts, many say you were touched by the gods themselves as your uncanny charisma was backed by exceptional talent. This made you bold, and things often came easier to you than of others. Uh, the spotlight is where you shine, and while you could use your intelligence to infect, uh, to affect change, sometimes you have a tendency to forget those standing in the shadows or waiting in the wings. Uh, the loss of, the loss of your dice hit you hard, it was sudden and unexpected, and your whole world was shaken to its core. But deep inside, you know, if anyone has the fortitude to storm the gates of the underworld and bring back the one you love, it is you. You have always been a hero, and now it's time to show everyone what you are made of. <laughs> Orpheus, uh, my interpretation of Orpheus is I picture a little bit of a smiling liar, a little bit of a Jack story. Uh, I love uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a himbo, a little bit of a, <laughs> a, a, the least toxic version of Gaston that you can imagine <laughs> that kind of idea of like that, iter that a lot of that description of Orpheus is how Orpheus himself would describe him to you. But like a lot of that is also like, you get past that and a lot of that is is him puffing up his chest and kind of doing it more specifically to put a smile on people's face like playing that playing that sort of big obnoxious uh obnoxious jerk to to sort of be the clown figure with and sort of like take eyes off of the real him um and i think that is we that is what uh that is what he sees as really special in his relationship with Yuri was that she really saw that and and 
acknowledge that, but also played along with the character, but also kind of saw the saw the the the, the man pulling the sp- uh, the strings, and I think that that really is special to to Orpheus, and that's the thing that he most specifically misses. Okay, so uh, Eurydice goes by Yuri, um, and she's kind of like uh, not really a strong, silent type, but she's somebody that's kind of very mysterious and imposing, but when she and Orpheus met, they just kind of vibed immediately. Like, he was telling a story, and she was like, oh yeah, this is totally true. Everything he's saying, absolutely true, and that just kind of kicked off, like, both a good friendship and a good relationship for both uh-huh. of them. Um, She's like, she's someone who other people kind of like turn into moments of crisis. She's somebody that's always dependable, which means that she can connect with people. Um, people kind of naturally gravitate toward her because she's a little imposing, but she's also like very kind. Mm-hmm. And she's just very empathic and somebody who's great at being a support of other people without like feeling too terribly drained by doing that. I I love I feel like it's the perfect I feel like this is a very good a very good pairing and a very good interpretation of both of these characters. I am really excited to play. I am too. Um so uh I guess we should talk about the, the kind of opening moments or rather uh, how how Yuri passed away. So we determined that they had been together for quite a while and were having an anniversary party for like 10 years of being together and it was just this kind of huge, like, over-the-top bash that Orpheus was really excited about. And while Yuri is not necessarily, like, as bombastic as him, she was also like, well, you know, it's our 10th anniversary, so why not? Um, and then, like, the party was kind of a rager, and after it started to wind down, they were, like, heading off to actually go back home and go to sleep, and Orpheus had forgotten a gift that one of his friends gave them, and he's like, oh, uh, I really kind of want this because, you know, it's it's a fun gift, and it reminds us of this great party and this relationship we've had. And Yuri's like, that's fine. I'll go back and grab it for you. I'll be right back. And then when she went uh, to go get it, it was basically this this limerick that was framed from one of their friends, mm-hmm. this kind of dirty limerick. She uh, found it laying kind of discarded on the ground and then picked it up, and there was unfortunately a snake underneath it, and she got bitten. It just a complete, like a complete random happenstance moment. It kind of, I think the mundanity of it all, like was it wrecked Orpheus as much as anything. That sense of like, there was no great tragedy. It just was a, a terrible thing that happened and could have happened to anyone. And I think that's part of the reason why Orpheus is so kind of in his head about like getting Yuri back is... Mm-hmm. Like Yuri deserves, like she deserves better. Yeah, and, I can, and I can see that. Part of the reason she deserves better is that she has put up with me for so long. Like <laughs> it's that idea of like, yeah, I, I realize that I am loud and boisterous and obnoxious, and you know, like you des- like this is a this is this is a person that has given me that that has given me that that space and. I want I want to give you in return the life and the the sort of magical larger than life existence that you deserve and I feel like this isn't the ending befitting of that so I'm going to move uh I'm going to move heaven hell and everything in between to 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 get you back so I can give you that moment that you deserve. Yeah, that sounds like it's fantastic because these two characters had such a great rapport and the fact that she 
just pass so suddenly. It's like something's been stolen from mm-hmm. them. Yeah. It's, it, 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 we, it, you know, it really, it's, it is, I, I, I have often said that uh, Orpheus is, is, Orpheus's great secret is that, like, some of the, the, the BS stories that he tells are entirely true, and that there are times when he absolutely is that person, and he's kind of a little bit ashamed of that at times, because he kind of sees, he kind of has a little bit of disdain for this picture of the big barrel-chested uh, hero figure, but this is a moment where he's like, look, if I have to, if I have to, if I have to go into the underworld as this, as this version of myself, then that is the version of myself that will save my beloved. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really excited to see what is going to come up between these characters. I am too. So with that, should we, I think we should segue into the prelude. We should. Do you want to read it? I will read it. Uh, Prelude, the tale of Orpheus and Eurydice. Uh, No matter the time, no matter the place, it always begins in celebration and always ends in tragedy. But maybe not this time. Legend has it that Orpheus was the son of Apollo and the muse Calliope. He was unnaturally gifted in music and poetry, and neither man nor god nor beast could resist the beauty of his songs. It was said he could captivate the leaves on the trees, the rocks and the earth, and even call upon winds and rivers to change their course. Our source for all of these is Orpheus. Take that with a grain of salt. (laughs) Eurydice was a woman of exceptional grace and generosity who Orpheus wooed with his song. She was beloved by all that knew her and known for her kind words and deeds. She was charmed by Orpheus and the two were soon married, the the celebration culminating in a grand wedding feast. That part's entirely true. All of that is true. Uh, wine flowed, bonfires burned, music filled the air as guests ate and drank, sang and danced and made merry from dusk until dawn. During the celebration, Orpheus lost sight of his bride while she cavorted with nymphs in a joyful dance. It was during this ecstatic revel that Eurydice trod upon a viper and was poisoned. It was not until the next morning that Orpheus discovered his bride was dead. He wept bitterly for the loss of their future together and vowed that he would venture into the underworld to beg Hades and Persephone, the king and queen of the dead, for Eurydice's uh, return. Orpheus traveled to the gates of the underworld and used the power of his music and poetry to gain entry and to charm all who dwelled there. After overcoming many difficult challenges, he made his way to the throne room to beg an audience with Hades and Persephone. There he played a song so sad and lonely he was able to bring Hades, the implacable king of the dead, to tears. Moved to compassion, Hades offered Orpheus and Eurydice a deal. Eurydice would be allowed to return to the mortal realm on the following conditions. She could follow Orpheus through the underworld while he walked ahead. But the two could neither speak nor touch, and Orpheus could not look. To see if Eurydice was truly there until they had crossed the threshold back into the living world. Orpheus and Eurydice agreed to Hades' terms and began the difficult passage out of the underworld. It was a long and challenging journey, but Eurydice followed Orpheus faithfully, never losing sight of her husband's shadowy figure, regardless of the distance between them. Orpheus ascended step by step out of the darkness until the light of day blazed brightly ahead. Yet just as Orpheus had fully crossed the light of the living world, he turned to look back at his love, not realizing that Eurydice had not yet crossed the threshold and remained shadowed in the darkness of the underworld. In an instant, she vanished, returning to her place among the dead, lost to Orpheus forever. Orpheus, knowing he would never again be united with his love, was left to wander the world in desolation and solitude, endlessly singing of the love he had and he had and lost. His story and Eurydice's has been told again and again of the distance some will go for love and how sometimes that distance isn't what matters. All right, so you've decided since you're playing Orpheus, that means I get to be the fates. Yes. 
And the way this game works is it goes back and forth with one player is playing their character, the other person is playing the fates, and playing the fates basically means you're kind of GMing for your partner, but I've included like a whole bunch of things in the book, like tables and things that, like content that you can actually like look at, so you're not having to pull everything like out of your head at a mm-hmm. moment's notice. So do you want to, my, my actual question here is like, do you want to start like immediately after that and I can put you at the River of Souls or do you want to be like a little further in? I think a little bit into, I think a little bit, a little bit into the journey, I think is, is I like the idea, especially since we're going to kind of be not playing necessarily the game in full, which is, a, which is both a, uh, just a casual note and also a note to the listener that we're going to kind of be like, uh, giving kind of the fly through of the whole game, but not, but, uh, the full experience is going to be much, much deeper. But, um, I think, I think feeling, I think kind of just popping in at a moment, a little bit after a little bit past the, past the, maybe the past the start of the journey feels like, feels like the best, the okay. best, uh, the best approach. Okay. Yeah. That is not a problem. So I think I'm going to start you at the great storm, which is a little bit further in and, uh, Let's go ahead and get started, then. All right. All right. You emerge atop a rocky cliff, its surface slick with rainwater, lightning, cracking the sky above you, and a titanic worm roiling in storm-dark clouds. The acidic excretions are mixing with the freezing rain to pelt down upon you with a violent sea in the distance. Carrion crows the size of a large man circle you overhead, their calls echoing off the rock like mocking laughter. A crumbling stone stair lashed by waves descends to a black sand beach below. Upon the beach, a nightmare battle endlessly rages. Naked souls tear at one another with tooth and nail, oblivious to the world surrounding them. A short distance away, others dangle in cramped cages at the edge of the sea, pleading for release as they are endlessly battered by rain, wind, and waves. A few paces beyond that looms a ghostly form of a broken ship, beached upon a muddy shore. Stoop figures crawl and claw at the muck surrounding it while something huge and old lurks deep within the shattered hull, watching with a calculating, otherworldly eye. In the distance, you can see a jagged mountain rage with their peaks topped with snow, and high above a frozen harbor in a dense pine forest. The wind is relentless, howling with the sound of inhuman voices, hurling acidic rain and razor-sharp ice that raises welts upon your skin. You look for shelter, but none can be found. You know the only thing to do now is to press on. And so press on I press on I shall. Okay. So I'm going to use the Great Storm Encounter table here, which you basically use with a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. And you take the hearts from the deck. I pre-shuffled this, so I don't have to worry about them not being, like, in order. And I drew a 10. So, <clears throat> so Orpheus, as you stand atop this jagged cliff looking down onto this freezing, violent scene, you hear the cries of the individuals lashed in these cages just like a few paces out into the shore, but the waves are so violent and so cold and so striking that you know that they have to be exhausted and in pain. You think of Eurydice and the relationship you had together and you can't bear the thought of her being put in such a position. Absolutely not. As you descend the steps, a man emaciated, thin, shivering in a cage, not more than 20 yards from you calls out to you, sir, help. 
Help me. Please, free me. I step up and I, I look at the cage and kind of without missing a beat, I say, what put you in this cage and how can I help break you out of it? No one deserves to be caged up like this. The man kind of turns his head so he doesn't have to meet your gaze and he says, I know not. I don't know. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm being punished like this. Please free me. And I, 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 uh, I smile and I, sh- I give a smile and a shrug. And I say, listen, friend, I, I will, I will do everything I can to free you. You have, you, you, you are, you are caged and to be caged is unjust, but I, I ask in return, I ask again, if you have any sense of what you did to be, to be, to be put in such a cage, to be put in such a position, if you have a, if you have a crime, if you have a crime, confess it and I will, I will, I will bear with it, with, with, I will bear it without judgment and I will, I will make, I will make it, I will make sure that you are, you are treated kindly to be, to be put in a cage and made to suffer for eternity. There is... It is unjust and it is it is unfair and it would be unkind of me to leave you right now. But in exchange, I only ask for your honesty and your trust. Okay, it sounds like you're trying to charm a denizen. Would you? I am exactly a- trying to yes. charm a denizen in the underworld. So roll with your numa. Ah, that is an eleven. That oh. is a my numa is a plus two, and that is a that is a nine. So that is an eleven. So on a seven on a ten plus, I get to pick one. Uh, they reveal an unfortunate truth about the traditions of the underworld. They become unhealthily uh, fixated on your quest or the information they've muddled or rumored. Uh, I'm going to have them reveal an unfortunate truth about the traditions of the underworld. Okay. So as you are trying to reason with this person who is clinging to these salt-soaked iron bars and shivering with the cold and the waves you see like a moment where his his face kind of falters like the pitiful like expression he was trying to give you just kind of flickers to where he looks resigned and then he shakes his head and he says so if you if you anger the wrong people here you could end up just as badly tortured as i but i i will tell you i I had a friend when I was living who needed my help, who was running from his past, and I turned him out. I didn't protect him, and to this day I regret what has happened between us. But is this, and he kind of gestures to himself in the cage and the storm, everything raging around him, is this just reward for making one single mistake when I am so very sorry for it? Uh, and I, 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 I plant my hands on the, uh, I plant my hands on the, on the bars. And I say, here's what I'm going to offer you today. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a story. And I begin to pull on, I begin to pull on the bars. I, I, and I say, I'm going to break these bars. I'm going to. I'm going to I'm going to break these bars because I am a uh, well, let's face it, I'm pretty great. <laughs> uh you have luckily stumbled into speaking with a great hero today and I am going to break these bars. I'm going to break you free and you are going to make me a deal. 
and I give them, I give, I give this big smile. Uh, uh, like they, there's this, there's a, there's a kindness to it, but there's also a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a jabbing to it, and a little bit of a, a little bit of mischief in, 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 in this big smile. Uh, Orpheus's most notable feature is his sort of big smile that speaks volumes. The little tiny differences in that smile. There's, you could write ten thousand words about the subtle differences <laughs> in his smiles, and it's got a little bit of mischief and a little bit of jabbing and a little bit of teasing and 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 a lot of warmth at the same time. Of like, when I break you out, and when you. You make, when you make like a great, when you, when you, through cunning and guile, escape from the underworld, inspired by the legend of the hero Orpheus. Remember that. (laughs) It's, it's hero Orpheus. It is Orpheus. It's not, there's no nickname. I want you to remember that. When the hero Orpheus breaks you out and inspires you to escape the underworld, you are going to go find your friend. You are going to go apologize and you are going to go, provided they, they, provided they accept that it is possible to make it right, they may not. And if they do not, you will accept it and you will move on and you will live the rest of your life. But if there is even the slightest chance that they allow you to make this right, and as I'm doing this, I'm pulling on the, I'm pulling on these old rusted bars. And I say, if you, if you accept this, if you accept this this terms, I will I will I will I will do as heroes do, and I will pull these bar the, the I will pull these bars off of this cage. Okay. So, are you trying to stir the heart? I am. I am trying to stir the heart. I'm trying to conjure a powerful emotion in a denizen through song and poetry. That is a nope. That's four. <laughs> oh, so. You're doing your very best to inspire this man, but perhaps he's just been here too long, and he kind of slumps a little bit and says, I I will never escape the underworld. It's unkind of you to try to give me hope for doing so. And he just releases the bars of the cage and kind of slumps down into it and lets the wind and rain and waves batter him even more fully than they already have. And, and in, in, in one final, in one final pull, I'd love to name a move here, if I may. Sure. Or call for a move. I think in one final, in one final pull, like I see this and like my face kind of drops. And I've been kind of like, I think, I think, I think Orpheus has been kind of like showing off this sense of like showing off the the kind of drama of the pole, right? Like we mm-hmm. were kind of playing the hero. And I'm kind of I would love to lash out in contempt and just in like one giant pull, just like rip at the bars as hard as I can to just give it one good strong pull to kind of like rip to, to see to to if it is if it is if it is possible by by Earth or the underworld to rip this rip this cage off with with the strength of a mighty hero. In, in just one final, not even a gesture of like, like it's, it's, it's kind of rooted in kindness, but it's also just kind of a, all right, fine then. Like it's kind of a dropping the act a little bit. It's <laughs> kind of what I picture. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Oh, that is an 11. All no, right. that's a 12. That is a 12. Oh. I forgot to add my passion. All right. So you kind of grasp the bars and you're a little frustrated after like all of that 
inspiration you've tried to give this man that he's just he seems to not be inspired by you and maybe that irks you a little you're not entirely yeah, well, sure it very much does <laughs> i i i know this well enough to know that like i'm i because i think yeah it's the it, it's the continue please continue that's no, okay so you you grasp the bars and you kind of like pour your frustration into it and you yank and you hear this clanking noise as they come free and as soon as you do this, you're like standing there holding them in the hands, like looking at them. The man sits up immediately and says, oh, thank you. Thank you. And he crawls out. I can't quite stand because he's been cramped in these, this cage for so long. But he drops into the water of the surf and tries to kind of crawl as best he can, stumbling all the way toward the beach. And I think at that moment, I... I, 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 I stand and like, I kind of think for a second, I'm like, I should, I should, I should help him up. I should, I should, I should, I should help him stand. He has, he has taken the first step. I've, I gave him, I, I have done all I can here. I kind of shrug and I say, you know, a win is a win. Still, though, maybe. And I kind of, I can't, I kind of watch, I kind of watch, watch him for a moment. And I'm like, you know, I, I wish I could have done more, but I have to be happy with what I've done today. And I kind of shake my head and, and kind of wipe my hands, wipe the, the sort of rust and grease off of my hands on my, on my, on my pants and just kind of continue on my way, knowing that like, well, at least it, at least it, at least it, it worked out for the best here. Okay. So you're you're making your way back out of the surf after after rescuing this poor uh feeble individual and he makes it to the shore with I mean it's a little difficult but he makes it and you can see him just sitting at the edge of the surf breathing catching his breath taking in what's going on around him and you know that maybe you did actually inspire something in him at least you've given him a chance to move forward and I think uh, before going on my way, I kind of stop and I, I, uh, I stop. I think I, I think I, I think I still have one of the iron bars in my hand. I think I've just kind of been holding it without thinking of it. And I think when I, when I see him, like I see, I see this man sitting on the beach and kind of breathing for a brief moment, like our eyes kind of meet from all the way on the beach to all the way on these, on these steps, these rocks and this pathway. Like I think our eyes briefly meet and I like, I kind of hold up this rusted beat up iron bar, almost like a sword in the sky, like huzzah. And like, it's like, it's this one moment. And like, I maybe don't even get a reaction out of it, but like it is this, it, it, it's, it's a little more clearly Orpheus playing the character of Orpheus here. Like kind of like, puffing his chest out to be like huzzah but like there's also a little bit of genuineness in there of like you know maybe like you like you did this you know like this is this is your win and i want you to be proud of this and i'm gonna go on my way and we'll probably never cross paths again but i i don't want you to forget that you and i had a moment where you were you were trapped and you were freed he nods his head gratefully as you also stumble back to shore. So where you're currently standing is a black sand beach. Um, I would say like less than a quarter mile away, you can see these 
they may not be clothed. You can't tell because it's so like misty and rainy and the wind is howling in your ears. But you see uh, a group of people who are clawing at each other or sometimes climbing at each other. The closer you get to them, you can tell that they're fighting and there's literally dozens of them. They're biting at each other, clawing at each other with their fingernails. All the wind is howling around them and sleet falls into their eyes. And they seem completely oblivious to everything else that's happening. Just whoever their enemies are. And you notice there's there's no sides in this. They're literally just attacking anybody that happens to be around them. This entire melee is so strange and also so disturbing. What would you like to do now that you can see it? <sighs> I I stand back, hand one hand on my hip, leaning a little bit on this iron bar. And I think Orpheus looks around. Looks to that looks to the broken ship, looks at the looks at the 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 the, the things under the surface, like looks at the looks at every looks around at everything, sees these people fighting, contemplates just moving on and just kind of leaving, but also looks to the gates in the distance and to the to the mountains in the distance and looks at everything, looks at the road that he has ahead of him, kind of like like hang like stashes the the iron bar in his belt and kind of yells at these at these at these 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 angry people uh raises up a fist and says hear me out your enemy is not one another your enemy is your enemies are those that are waiting in the in the castles in the distance you may you may fight with one another, but I ask that you fight with me first. We have a long road ahead of us, and fighting is fine, but it's better to do it for a cause. Okay, so are you trying to stir the heart? I am indeed. Which is plus pathos, if I am not mistaken. That is a plus zero. But that is a twelve. That is a hot fire today. Yeah, you were really good. Okay, so maybe because you were emboldened from your previous success of freeing the caged man in the surf, but your voice carries across this sort of makeshift battlefield. And then one by one, you watch as the the people turn their heads to you. They stop fighting. They stop crawling toward each other, even though some of them are very badly injured. And for a moment, the battle ceases. And then at the end, there's a moment of silence after you have finished your speech. And one of the members of the group, very large, kind of imposing, bald man, very broad shoulders. He's got blood seeping from a wound just above his left eye, glances at you and glances back to his competence and says, he's right. Why are we fighting? What what do any of us have that the others don't have. We are naked. We are without anything, without anything to our names, without anything to hold on to. And then he turns to you and says, you have a quest. If you can find it in your heart to 
perhaps let us travel with you and do the things that you asked, do the things that you've claimed, speak to those people in those castles, then we will accompany you. And I, I take the iron bar out of my belt. And I, 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 I hold it in front of me and I... <laughs> the way that Orpheus does kind of everything where it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, I kind of like twirl it and i plant it on i plant it uh i'm gonna i kind of like hold it in my hand and i like press it against the center of his chest like i'm holding it straight up right to kind of like line up with the spine i'm holding it into his chest and i say i will i will ask you to accompany me and i will i will do right by you as a leader and in time i will depart and when that happens i will i will make one final request and that request is that these people be given a leader and that that leader treats them with the respect that I have given you all. Can you make me, can you friend make me that pledge right now? The man who has been speaking for the group says, I, I can make that pledge right now. I am willing to follow you. And, and I, so I, I hold out the iron bar and I say, then, then take your, then, then take your, take your weapon and join me on my quest. And he steps forward. He's very large when he gets up close to you, but you're not particularly small yourself. <laughs> and you hold the, the rod out and he grasps it in his hand. And there's a moment where your eyes meet and he nods at you and then takes it and turns to his brethren and says, come, we march. And I, I, I think there's a moment where I think there's a moment where like this interaction that has gone so well kind of troubles Orpheus a little bit. I think there's a moment where I've ro- I think there's a moment where I've rolled too well. I think there's a moment where Orpheus feels himself buying into the hype a little bit. Orpheus feels himself being like maybe I am that character. Maybe I am that story. Maybe I am that person. And I kind of shake it off. I'm like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Orpheus. I'm the person that, I'm the person that Yuri makes fun of beneath her breath. Like I am, and that is, that is who I want to be. There's no one who I would rather be in this world, but maybe, maybe. And I kind of lead, I kind of lead my group on our way. Okay. Okay. So you've managed to make it past the beach and you can see the ruin of the ship sort of in the distance, but the the people who are following you, especially the, the man who holds the iron rod, shakes his head at you when you pass it. He kind of murmurs to you, like in your ear, the mud that surrounds that will draw you under. I, I do not think we should go that way. Perhaps toward the forest? Mm. Why, why so, my friend? There are things hidden in the depths of that ship that you do not want to see, that no man should see. And what of the forest? The forest is where you find the road again. Although I've never taken it, I don't know where it ends. Perhaps it's an illusion, just like everything else here. I will ask you one question. Answer me honestly, and I will follow your advice to the letter. You say that I don't want to encounter what lies beneath that ship. I ask you simply, turn around and look at your look at your compatriots and 
know them honestly and answer me one more answer me that question again do i wish to face could i face could we face what is under what is under that water if you say no we will take we will take the forest and we will we will risk the illusion if in your heart you feel like you feel like you could fight you feel like you could fight this battle and fight it for a cause then we will we will take the ship and we will take it by force okay are you trying to charm a dilithon um, I think so. I think that is what I am trying to do here. Okay. That feels right. I'm gonna roll with that. You are the you are the fates, and that feel that feels like what you what you think I'm trying to do. So I'm gonna go with that. Okay. Uh, and that is a ten. You are rolling so well. I'm I'm lighting it up today. Okay, so you get to pick one. I. Ooh, there's two options that I really love. I love they become unhealthily fixated on you or your quest and the the information they give. I'm going to go with unhealthily fixated. I <laughs> like the idea that cuz I like the the picture that like I think that that Orpheus is buying into the hype in the same way that 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 my my newly found uh my newly found right hand is buying into the hype, right? Like this is a, and I say this a little bit eye rolly. This is a, this is a hero story, and like that, that idea of like fighting for the cause and fighting for that thing is very kind of, it's very kind of seductive and it's very kind of poisonous at times. So I think it's that idea of like, of like, well, yeah, we're, we're this is for a cause. Okay. So it, once you've said that, the man glances back. At the ruined, the uh, ruined ship, and looks at his compatriots and says, "We will follow where you lead. You have broken us out of our addledness. You have taught us that there is a different way. If you say we go to the ship, we go to the ship." <sighs> well, then we go to the forest. And for a moment, his face kind of falls, but he says, "Very well. Let's go." I, and I, I, before he t- turns back around to tell the rest of his compatriots, I kind of like hand on, not quite his shoulder, sort of his upper arm, because he is larger than me. And I'm like, I believe that we could topple what is under that boat without an issue, but it would be unjust of me to send us into a fight. I did not believe we would suffer more losses than we would wins. And that is, I've known you all for a short amount of time. I... True leader and a kind leader cares about every single potential loss, and I believe we would suffer losses, and I believe that we have greater battles ahead of us than fighting a fight for fighting's sake. We left that behind on the beach. And he nods, and you can see, like, just by the way he looks at you and the way he considers your words, that this man would follow you throughout your entire journey into the underworld. And I think I, 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 I say, then, then to the, to the forest we go. Okay. So you're heading to the forest then? Yes, indeed. All right. So turning away from the beach and leaving the ruined ship and the mud surrounding it and the people, the very small hazy figures you can see kind of through the haze that are digging in the muck in front of the ship behind you. You turn toward the mountain range instead in the pine forest that surrounds it. And for a moment, once you step into the forest, you feel a slight reprieve because the trees here are so tall and so densely packed, it's difficult for the wind to actually permeate the branches. 
So you at least have some respite from that, but you soon realize it's very difficult to see now that you're in here. It's very dark, and the sky overcast as it was was already not giving you a whole lot of light, but you kind of walk through the forest, pushing your way between frozen pine branches. Occasionally you stumble. Some of the compatriots that are following you also stumble and right themselves. Some of them are cut by the pine needles, scratching at their skin, which is uncovered. And then you come to a large frozen lake that spreads out like a blanket of snow and ice before you. It's much too large for you to try to go around. It looks massively huge. But the other side, you can see the other bank from here. This is a narrower part. Perhaps you can cross it. So what would you like to do? I think I think we cross at the narrow. Okay. I think I guide I think I guide I guide our our uh our makeshift band to the narrow and I say this is again this is it would be easy to run across but we're going we're going to make our way across this safely because our glory, our glory is not dying in a lake. <laughs> so are you, you just helping them across like one at a time or are you just telling them to be cautious? Um, I really like that. It, I, I wasn't, I was thinking we were just going to cross one at a time, but like that feels like a great, that feels like a great Orpheus moment of like helping them across. Like that feels like the nice kind of extension of what this, uh, what this partnership has become like these are i think these are these are people that orpheus maybe sees a little bit of himself in he is he is he is quick to action and quick to eye rolly hero moments and i think that he is he sees a little bit of himself in this sort of like fighting for fighting's sake and you know seeing them them latch on to a cause he knows that he has his own cause so i think there's a sense of like he kind of starts to cross and then comes back and starts to say like, no, no, I've got the, we, you know, we all, all, all together. Now we are, we are, we are in this together. We don't leave anyone behind. And he kind of makes efforts to, to kind of move and come back, uh, come back around to, to help people across. Okay. So when you first step out on the ice with your compatriots with you for the first few dozen feet, it's, it's actually fairly solid. You're not too concerned about falling through the ice. It looks like it will hold your weight. But as you are nearing the middle of this narrow part of the lake, the ice kind of takes on a translucent quality. It's almost like it's glowing from underneath, and it becomes as smooth and as polished as glass. And while you are somewhat occupied in trying to help these people cross the river, you glance down and you see beneath the ice the reflection of Yuri's face. I turn back I turn back to my, my large friend and I say My friend, I have a favor. What's your name, by the way? I have not asked your name. I am a terrible leader and a terrible friend. <laughs> Brutus. My name is Brutus. Brutus, I have a favor. We We don't have much time and we need to move quickly. Give me your iron bar and 
work on getting everyone uh, across across the the lake as gently as possible. The ice is very thin and very easily cracked. Time is short. I have I have work to do. I have work to do in this ice. I will I will meet you all on the other side. And he kind of looks at you a bit curiously, but nods and hands the bar back to you and goes to his closest compatriot and attempts to usher them across the river, river, the pond, just the same way you were helping earlier. I am, I am breaking. I am, uh, as I, I see them get, a, get towards the end of the pond, I am cracking this ice to try and get to the, get to the, the visage of my beloved. Okay, so that sounds like you're proving your love to it me. It does sound like I'm proving my love. Uh, and that is a, and that is a, that is an eight. That is an eight, okay. So, you take the iron bar and you f- effectively use it as an ice pick, although mm-hmm. it's not really designed to, to do that. And it takes you a bit of time to jam away at the ice until you suddenly you start to see these cracks forming in it and you think you're so much closer, you just one more hit. And then you bring your hand down right in the middle of a large crack and you hear the, the cracking and groaning of the ice separating itself from you. And for a moment, you don't see anything. The hole that you've created in the ice, it, it's just dark water, just deep, impossibly deep. You can't even see to the bottom. And then as you are leaning over, you see Eurydice, or at least her face, something that looks like her, float up towards you from the water with her hair billowing around her. And you think for a moment, there she is, my love. And then suddenly something slick and dark and vaguely human-shaped with long greenish hair and freezing cold talons reaches up out of the water. Your love's face is transformed and it pulls you down. It's holding you by the collar and it says, What will you give us to pass? A hand. I... I look at the I look at the iron bar in my hand and I look to my friends on the other side of the lake and I I I simply utter I would trade for I would trade a thousand friendships for the connection that I have with my beloved my my role is not as a leader my role is as a companion and a partner I shove the iron bar into the hand of this of this uh of the ghastly form and I look to the I look to the lake I think I think uh Brutus and some of the others have kind of started to like move back onto the ice and I say onward friends freedom awaits you I said I would I said our time would come to an end and it seems it has come earlier but you have a leader you have a cause your quest is your own, and I think as that is happening, I would love to propose a, a closing note for the book, if I may. Sure. I think that the ice cracks around me, and that sort of like translucent ice, like bits of more and more of it is cracking away, and I'm kind of carried down a river, or I'm like I'm I'm, I'm sort of washed away a little bit on like a sheet of ice, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I, I'm I'm watching. And I see Brutus in the distance. I watch the iron bar sink into the water. 
and this lake this lake forms into a forms bleeds into a river bleeds into the beach carries me to who knows where carries me on my way carries me to the next chapter of this of this journey and i i watch brutus and i i i put a hand to my chest uh and i watch brutus do the same and i watch i watch brutus turn back and i give i give the solemn nod and like our our time together our time as adventuring friends has come to an end and i watch i i watch Sad that I have lost these friends, sad that I have lost these allies, sad that I have been cast out to parts unknown, but also at least happy that maybe I've given a second chance to a group of people for whom all had been lost. That sounds like a great way to end the chapter. And so with that, we, 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 we transition. I will take over the role of the fates and we pick up with the story of Yuri. Yep. Would you like to see Yuri in the Unquiet Meadows or Yuri in the Chasm of Titans? So the Chasm of Titans is actually my favorite of the books. So that would be great. <laughs> Done. Well, that made that, that makes that an easy decision then, doesn't it? Uh, book four, Eurydice in the Chasm of Titans. You enter a tunnel, dark and narrow. You have to turn sideways to pass through openings almost too small for your body. The walls are slick and warm and almost seem to inhale and exhale. You crawl on your hands and knees until you force yourself through an opening barely large enough for your shoulders and emerge into a darkness so complete that you struggle to find any source of light. As you strain to see, you notice the ground beneath you is damp and sticky. The air is heavy with an earthly, metallic tang. Your eyes begin to adjust and you realize you are standing in an event's cavern. Below, an impossibly vast chasm yawns like a bottomless void. If you squint, you can make out several rough-hewn, dizzying staircases clinging to the walls, from which other tunnels spread like a series of dark veins. High above, the twisted roots of a massive tree hang like gnarled talons. A colossal giant with fifty heads and a hundred hands dangles, viciously impaled. He hangs suspended in eternal agony as his blood slowly gathers to drip into the pit below. Peering into the edge of the chasm, the metallic scent grows even stronger, taking on a foul, pungent air. You peer into the darkness and can barely make out the sprawling shapes of other titanic figures at the bottom. They are restrained in all manner of configurations, some misshapen or afflicted in ways your mind can barely comprehend. Swarming around them in the bloody, uh, the bunny, uh, blah, blah, blah. Swarming around them in the bloody effluence that is congealed at the bottom of the pit are numerous feeding parasites, their flesh a sickly grub white in their near oppressive darkness. I too am going to draw a card to kick off our encounter table. So as you peer out into this as you peer out into this cavern, you uh, you take this long look, you see these these grub worms, you see these titans, you see these this this pit. Endless and vast. And you feel... You feel the emptiness in the air. You feel the... You feel the... The stillness of everything. You Except for that kind of pulsating in the walls. It, it creates not quite a breeze, but that feeling of, like, movement across your skin. And then... As you feel this, and and what after what feels like a lifetime, there is a there is a jolt on the back of your shoulder, and you twitch, and you realize only after that twitch, only after that 
terror and that that's jolt and that shock and that that culmination of what feels like the entire cave pulsates you feel yourself you feel your 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 feet start to give underneath your underneath your feet as you feel yourself start to slip on some of the rock the blood covered rocks beneath you and you feel yourself start to slip right at the edge of this pit yuri what do you do so the first thing she's going to try to do is throw herself physically backward away from it, even if it means that she's going to fall on the rocks. It's much better than falling into the chasm. Mm, that's fair. I think you I think you 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 fall backwards. I think you fall backwards and uh what happens is you hear chittering. You hear chittering and sort of uh wet, sloppy crawling noises meat slapping on stone as you quickly realize that like in jumping backwards like you 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 loosed some rocks from the edge of the pit and these uh and these 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 grub these grub worms these these carrion uh, these carrion bugs have sensed something and and are coming to 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 peace uh to examine what is going on and possibly find a new source of fresher blood Okay, so Yuri is not, uh, she's not a hero in the same way that Orpheus is. Mm -hmm. And she's not usually in this sort of situation, but she knows how perilous it is in the underworld, especially now that she's escaped where she was kept effectively um, as a dead soul. So I think the first thing she would do, would she would try to don her shroud and escape the situation. Mm. And uh, basically just try to blend in with the other denizens of this part of the underworld. And hopefully the, the grubs will pass her by and go for something more tasty looking. Mm, mm. Um, go ahead and roll me, roll me don your shroud. Uh, when you don your shroud to escape a dangerous situation, roll with philosophy. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> I rolled it too. Ah, um, you... Let me see what happens on a miss. I'm going to say what happens is actually the the next encounter card that I drew is actually perfect for this, uh, for on a miss. You don your shroud, you put your head down and you move. Uh, you move, you, you see, you see other, uh, other shrouded figures, other, other souls moving through this space and, and the, you, you watch these sort of, uh, you watch these sort of grub worms burst out of this pit uh but you are long gone but before you you get a chance to kind of get your your footing you realize you are among these shrouded figures you are among the you are among the dead souls passing through the space but you've realized watching this you you were you were watching the you're watching the grub worms you were watching the carrion bugs but what you were not watching was where you are going and you are caught in this maze of tunnels and you see uh some of these shrouded figures uh, none of their faces vis uh, vi none of their faces visible uh except for periodically you get the briefest glance at some of their eyes and you kind of see some of them you see the briefest remnant of uh, a person but some but most of them you see skeletons and you see skulls and and empty eyes, and 
you you see shrouded figures start to pierce down all of these tunnels in this what this maze that surrounds you that feels like there's a that feels like there's somehow a hundred doors and or a hundred tunnels in a hundred directions and you watch shrouded figures uh run down each of them and people are running past you and around you and bumping into you and what do you do if i'm far enough away from the grubs that i think they're not actually going to get me yeah um, i think they're out of sight at this moment like you hear them in the distance and you hear you hear you hear sc- some screams and yells but you also hear uh just footsteps 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 and they seem to be they seem to be out of view but perhaps not not permanently so okay so i'm i'm going to kind of like press my back to one of the tunnel walls even though it's kind of viscous and gross and sticky and uh hold my shroud and kind of look at all of the different shrouded figures, the other souls or denizens that are running past me and try to figure out like what, what is going on with them? Why are they in such a hurry? I think that you, the, 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 the confusing thing is that you don't see anything. There doesn't <sighs> seem to be a, there doesn't seem to be a, a reason for this, but, um, it sounds. It also sounds like you are trying to pierce the veil here. It sounds I like you are trying to see. You are trying to see what is hidden and unseen. Okay, so I will roll with my philosophy. It didn't go well last time, but maybe it will go well this time. Nope, I rolled a four. <laughs> um, I think what you see is there are there are so there are just so many people. There are so many. Uh, there are so many like bodies and shapes and there's so much movement that you you simply don't fully piece to piece it together just yet um and i think um i think what happens is you you eventually you look around you eventually you eventually see that um you do eventually see what is what is unseen here and but it but what it is is you realize that the walls themselves are pulsating and they are pulsating because they are, they are so, so dense with blood. Like you feel it under your feet, your, the, the ground as you, as you stand for a long time starts to sink kind of like you're standing on a sponge and you see blood pooling around your feet. And as you see that, you hear more of that. You hear more of that chittering and you quickly realize that the reason that people are moving is because they have to keep moving. If they stay in one place for too long, walls start to bleed, blood attracts the grub attracts the grub worms, and as you once the moment you realize that, you start to move, and as you move, someone sort of moves to where you were, and you see only too late, you turn your eyes away as you see someone, you see one of these figures, uh several of these gigantic uh these gigantic maggots sort of fall upon one of these these souls that happen to be where you were standing and you you only too late realize why you have to keep moving because you want you 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 are able to turn your eyes away before you see the cost of not uh staying moving okay so the person that uh, got attacked. I'm assuming there's nothing I can do for them. <laughs> uh, you can you can try. They are there are there are there are worms upon them, but but uh, I am 
though this is not the hero story of Orpheus, this is this may be the story of heroism. So I'm not gonna mm-hmm. I'm not gonna and under any circumstances tell you you can't try. Honestly, with Yuri's personality, she would not leave whoever that was behind. So she okay. she doesn't have any weapons or anything, but she's she's going to go toward the person and see if there's anything that she can do. Um, she'll probably look around and see if there's like. I mean, it's not likely there's going to be a rock or anything in these tunnels, but anything that she could use as a weapon. Um, You were able to pretty easily find, you know, rock, like long rocks. And whether you want to use a long rock as a club or just like a heavy rock to throw at something, like you're able to find like rocks uh, that, that something that can fit whatever kind of need you're looking for. Okay. So she's going to pick up like the biggest rock that she can carry and uh, kind of, stagger her way toward where where the grub is trying to feed on this poor person and try to just while it's distracted bring it up and bash it down on what is the head she it sounds <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like you're trying to stand up to those who would impede your progress yes i am so i am going to roll with numa mm-hmm. hopefully better than the last couple times five you got all the good rolls today. I did. I did. I stole all the good rolls and I feel terrible about it. Um, I think what happens is, um, I think what happens is you bring down the, uh, you, 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 you come and like the, um, oh, I know exactly what happens. Uh, I drew a card for an encounter and I know exactly what happens. Um, you, you run up and you bring down your, you bring down your, uh, your rock and you, you, you swear you don't even feel like you hit one of these, these, these grub worms before they all scatter. And for a moment, for a moment, you feel very much like Orf, or you feel very much like Orpheus, uh, for, for a hot second. And, uh, what, how do you feel when you feel like Orpheus? So, Eurydice is very used to being in the background. Like, she's, she doesn't feel like um, her relationship is unequal, but sometimes she's a little envious of, like, the attention that Orpheus has paid and how, you know, much more people seem to like him, how much more uh, daring he tends to be. And for a moment, she she's like, okay, I get it. I get it now. I understand why he likes and to be this way, why he is this way. And in that moment, like you feel like you feel like Orpheus in that moment. And uh, that that feeling lasts for a second before you you realize that suddenly you feel like you're in you're in Orpheus's story in a much less uh, fun way. Because you realize that those grub worms weren't running because you brought down that rock. They were running and you realize this because that 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 rumbling in the walls is back, except now it's in the floor and the walls and it's not a pulsating like it was before. It's just a, a rumbling and you hear a rumbling and you hear this this the person beneath you is still kind of lying and starts to crawl on their feet and like is like, thank you. What tunnel are we in? What tunnel are we in? What tunnel are we in? As the rumbling grows and grows and grows. Okay, so she's going to try to grab for the person, pull them after her, and says, we can run and talk at the same time. Uh, and as you say that, the rumbling is growing unbearable, 
and you start to go in a direction and they grab you by the shroud and start and kind of jerk you in the opposite direction. And at first you're confused and then you realize when you see the you see the the shape in the distance start to rumble and you see you see that the this what looks like a shadow at the end of the cave. But it's growing larger and larger and larger, and it is a boulder is rolling towards you. And you hear it crushing rocks, and you hear it is accompanied by the crushing... It, this, it sounds like it is just crushing bone after bone after bone, but you don't see anyone there. You just hear it, and you just see it getting closer as they kind of pull you in a direction and i think uh i think together the two of you run and you narrowly avoid it actually what do you do what do you do when you see this uh what do you see? you you are you are surrounded by tunnels in different directions you see this boulder coming towards you this person is trying to pull you in a direction do you do you follow their lead do you take them down a different tunnel what do you do here I think that Yuri is going to follow the person's lead because from just the brief interaction they had earlier, earlier they seem to know kind of where they are, and mm. that's way better than what she knows. I, I think that the, I think they, they pull you down a tunnel and you watch this boulder roll past and you, you hear it hit, you hear it collide with a wall and you hear, you feel it, you see rocks drop all around you. You, you hear grumbling and moaning just outside. You hear you hear pained moans just outside of your tunnel, uh, and and uh, your 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 friend, the person that you've saved, is kind of pulling you like, no, we have to go. We have to go now. This can't. We can't. We can't be here. The, the grub worms and we can't be here. Okay, so she's gonna kind of look to them and says, "Lead the way. I I appreciate your help." And uh, they, the, the two of you start to go, and just before you leave, you hear the sounds of that boulder move. You hear, you hear it, you hear it creak, and you hear pained moans from back in the direction from which you came. And you look back, and you see you're far, you're just far enough away. The two of you have been moving in that very swift way, and just you see. A figure pushing this boulder, moving past, and just moaning and grunting and just watch them quietly move past the door. And again, you just hear, no, we can't stop, we can't stop, we have to keep moving, we have to keep moving. And you just see this figure slowly move past the door that you're in, or slowly move past the tunnel that you just left, pushing this boulder and creaking and moaning, and you look up and... and, and your friend is waiting for you, but they have not. They 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 they're gesturing, but they're slowly kind of inching away. You have a choice here. You can follow down this tunnel, or you can go back go back in the opposite direction. What do you do? Um, I'm going to turn toward the person that is helping me and say, if if the if he has to push that, can we just not help him? And I think. Um, I think your friend pauses and like winces as here as you hear um yes come help me help please I, I no one ever 
I am, I am, I, I, we, we can do this together. I promise. And you hear this and the person says, you don't, I prop don't. Why not? It is, it is, it is a, f- a fool's endeavor. It, this is not the first time that this has happened. We've, we've been, we've heard that. Uh, look, I, I'm not, we are not. We do not share, we do not share his curse. When that boulder falls, we will not be spared. But if we are help, helping him, it won't fall. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't want to make you put yourself in danger, but he looks exhausted and the boulder did a lot of damage. Perhaps if we, if we assist, he can roll it to where it's supposed to go. It sounds like it sounds like you're trying to show tenderness here. I am. Go ahead and roll me plus pathos. Seven. I finally got one. <laughs> All right. Um, they grow angry at your intrusion or take advantage of your tenderness. Um, but uh, choose two of the questions on the following list. What is the cause of their distress? What do they desire, fear, or regret? What is the thing they most cherish? And how can I convince them to X? Okay, so first one, what is the cause of their distress? Like, I understand that it's not a pleasant um, experience to try to roll a boulder uphill, but why are they so anxious to go? <sighs> they simply mutter, that is Sisyphus the Deceiver. He will draw you in to help him, to help bear his bear his weight and bear his burden, but... When the time comes for consequence, he will survive. It is his cursed. It is his curse to roll that barrel, that boulder up the hill. It will roll over him. It will crush his bones, but he will get up and try again. Those that he deceives, those that he connives, those that he tricks, lack the same grace. They lack the same curse. They lack the same responsibility. He. He, in true true to who he was in life, will will take less work and suffer less consequence and leave people in his wake. Okay, so my second question is, how can I convince my new friend to put aside their distrust and potentially help? <sighs> Ask. Trust is hard to come by here. In this, in this place, in the underworld, compassion, you have shown kindness, you helped them. Souls in this space are all too eager to simply run until they get to a destination or face their untimely end. You broke that. If you ask, genuinely, knowing the risks and potential consequences, they cannot possibly say no. But that means also knowing the risks and consequences, which you now know. So knowing what I now know, I'm going to say, I understand if you can't help with this, I understand that you would be putting yourself at risk and I can't demand that of you. But understand that I can't leave this man behind. I need to help him. (sighs) And I cannot... I cannot leave behind the only friend that I have in this underworld. 
So bring on the boulder. Okay, so Yuri is going to dart out of the tunnel and try to catch up to Sisyphus. I think it's pretty easy to catch up to Sisyphus. Yeah, he's probably not moving real fast. It's a, it's a pretty slow process. And uh, when she comes up upon him, she says, if we help bear your burden, will that mean that you can push this to wherever it needs to go? Because we're willing to help you. We We don't feel like you should have to shoulder this alone. Roll me plus pathos. This is, I believe, showing tenderness. Twelve. Dang. Ask two questions and take, uh, ask two questions and take, uh, take no, uh, no, no problems. Okay. So what do they desire, fear or regret? They desire, they desire people to help them, uh, ease their burden. They regret that they get people to do this knowing it will get people hurt. Okay. They can, they, that, that, yeah, that feels right. Okay. So how can I convince them to give a good faith uh, action in doing this and potentially protect me and my friend while we help him? Hmm. I think um, there is honor among thieves. Uh, and, and I think the thing that he respects, the thing that Sisyphus respects is, uh, is, is cunning over strength and respects someone that is willing to treat him the way that, that he treats others. There's a level of like, of deception and, and conniving that is, uh, that feels like the best, uh, answer to that. Okay. So I'm going to basically say, look, we will help you with this if you need us to help you, but what is keeping you here? What, why can you not just let the boulder roll and then not push it back up again? You can come with us. You want to try? (sighs) I think he pauses and he... He he flashes a wicked grin for a moment, and then sh- and then and then you watch him put on a face of like solemn sadness. It is my journey. This is rolling this boulder is what I have been cursed to do. This is this is this is my this is my lot in the afterlife. And you've never questioned whether you can change it. <sighs> Alas. It is it is not my place to question, it is only my place to perform. Now and I, I can only ask that you that you that you perform this task with me, that we that we that we bear this burden together, that perhaps by by joining together and pushing this and you see that wicked grin come back for half a second, that perhaps we can we can create something better, but unfortunately I believe that I believe that my role here is to push this boulder. Now, uh, I am going to ask something. Mm-hmm. Would you like to try and weave the strands to, 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 to see if you can change the nature of this, uh, of this, uh, of this, of this curse of this sort of wicked ploy of this sort of, uh, this sort of song and dance? Yeah, why not? I mean, she's, she's established herself as a rule breaker in the underworld already. This is true. And that is a 
Seven. A, on a seven? Mm-hmm. Uh, your manipulations attract unwanted attention. But you may man- shape a small object, call forward a modest illusion, or mend a broken thing. Okay. So, <clears throat> I think I'm going to call forth a modest illusion of uh, Sisyphus pushing the boulder, even though it's not moving, it's just staying in place. And I do this by effectively just taking bits and pieces of my shroud and weaving it with his, and then placing it and gesturing to him and say, they're distracted for a moment. You can come with us and the task will still be done. And I think, uh, I think that he kind of, um, I think that he, he stands back and he watches this illusion and he looks at you and he says, you knew that I would, you knew that we would push this boulder together and that it would roll back on you. And like that, the the sort of solemn sadness face has completely like washed aside at this moment. And she kind of nods at him and says, "I do, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't help you." And he smiles and he says, "And you would you would trick you would trick the gods themselves to save the life of a king that would have you killed without learning your name." Well, I like to think maybe we can be better than who we used to be. And he smiles and offers offers a, a handshake and says, I am King Sisyphus, and for once I would like nothing more than to know the name of the person that I travel with. And she kind of nods her head, not exactly bowing, but kind of um, respectfully and says, I'm Eurydice. And she kind of turns to the person staying beside her, and I'm sorry, I actually never asked your name. My name is Arsene. It is a pleasure to meet you both. It's a pleasure to meet you as well. Should we move before the illusion attracts any attention? And um, and in that moment, you realize there is uh, there is there is blood pooling at your feet, and you hear the sloshing of the of the of the grub worms. And Sisyphus looks around and says. Oh my, this is quite unpleasant. This is what happens when you stand still? I've yes. never stood that I've never stood still for very long. I suppose we should run. We should run. And the three of you, the three of you run down a tunnel, and I believe that is where I'm gonna call it for this uh this chapter of our story. Okay. That sounds good to me. So this would bring us this so uh this is where we're gonna do a little bit of hand waving because I believe this would bring us to the Gauntlet of Hope and Regret. Yes, and in the full game, it's actually eight books that you go through. So four for Orpheus, four for Eurydice. Um, and then in the we're working from the Ashcan, which is half the books, but we still don't have time for all of that. So uh-huh. we're just going to kind of fudge the gauntlet a little bit. Yeah. So walk us through the gauntlet. All right. So the way the gauntlet works is this is effectively from the myth. This is the point where... Orpheus is walking toward the light at the end of the tunnel and Eurydice is following behind him, but he can't speak to her or touch her or turn around to see if she's there. It's just kind of going on faith. And so during this process, each of the characters, the players of the characters describe short memories that occurred over their relationship, like things that, things that can be both good or bad, like depending on, actually it's dependent on the harm, but I don't think we took any harm. 
But usually if you have any harm at the gauntlet, however much harm you have, those are your bad memories. Mm. And then everything else is, is good memories. And you go back and forth. It's one for each book. Um, if you have keepsakes, which is what, uh, well, actually, Orpheus gave away his iron bar. Mm-hmm. But if you have a keepsake, you can actually remove one of the um, harmful memories and turn it to a positive one. So here's what I'm going to uh, here's what I'm going to recommend. Here's my here's my here's my hand wave. Because we know for certain that we got a positive memory. Mm-hmm. Let's say um, that if we played through all eight books of the game, I would love to do. Let's say we played through the Ashcan version with four memories. Let's say we got three positive memories and one negative memory each. Okay, that sounds good to me. Okay. So, basically, you can do them in any order. So, do you want to start? Yes. So, I will describe a positive or negative memory, starting with the phrase, Love, do you remember when? And I respond, I do remember, after you've given me the memory. So, Love, do you remember when we met at that party and we locked eyes and my rival was there and we had a fight over you and et cetera, et cetera. It was a whole, you know, I swung on a chandelier and it was quite, it was honestly quite an impressive display if I, if I do say so myself. I do remember. How could I possibly forget? I, it feels a little silly going with the version that we tell people in this moment. Mm Mm-hmm. And honestly, I kind of like the version where we sat and ate charcuterie (laughs) and both got really, really excited about the play that we had just seen and talked a lot about that. And I snort laughed. I don't snort laugh often, but I remember snort (laughs) laughing. And uh, I remember how before we actually spoke... I could see this light around you. People were drawn to you. And after we spoke, you shone it directly on me. It was like the rest of the world didn't exist. I feel like in that moment, I was really seen for the first time. So I appreciate, I've never lost that feeling of feeling like you were the only person in the room. I love, do you? Remember when you and your friend boasted that you could climb to the top of that mountain in an hour? <laughs> oh, I still regret that. I, I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't think anybody there was going to take me seriously, and everybody there took me seriously. And I remember. I remember icing my ankles <laughs> for three days. And I remember being the laughing stock. And the the one person I remember saying the words they were they probably cheated. <laughs> Do you remember when I stood up for you and swore up and down there was no way? Well, whether you would have been able to best them. So clearly it was their fault. They had done something that was so sneaky that no one noticed but you and I. 
I sharing that bond together is what made the last 10 years as special as they have been. Love, do you remember the night that we were supposed to Do you remember the night that we were supposed to go to dinner and I got in a shouting match with the neighbor and they dumped beer on my head? I do remember. Sometimes I I love you and how you are and how uh, you're so passionate about everything, but there are times when caution is more warranted and I felt embarrassed. Yeah, I know. No, I I know. I I could see it in your eyes. And there have been times over the last 10 years where I could see that look in your eyes of, oh, how I wish he would stop right now. <laughs> and if I could express my one true regret, it's that I, 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 I wish that I learned to act on that glance sooner. Because there's nothing that I, I, I value more than the moments where we just get to sit together. No big show of things, no big, no big performance, no show, and just we sit and we enjoy each other's company. And I wish it took me, it took me too long into the 10 years we've shared together for me to, to learn to recognize that look and to learn to do that. And for that, I apologize. I love, do you remember, uh, when we were at, the birthday party you threw for me and you were supposed to give a speech uh, about me and about us. And well, there was more of you in the speech than there was of me. And I felt not betrayed, but I guess maybe I was a little hurt that you couldn't step out of the spotlight for a moment. If, Love when, if and when, we stand together in the light, there is nothing that I want less than to stand in the spotlight without you. There are times I wonder if maybe, maybe we married too early. Maybe I should have taken more time for myself, but then I wouldn't have had those amazing years with you. Love, do you remember going on that cart race with me? I do remember. Do you remember? Do you do you remember? Do you remember taking that taking that turn that we should not have made and well, it turned into from a cart race into a horse race pretty quickly. <laughs> I do remember. <sighs> uh they really wanted uh they really wanted us to repair that cart. <laughs> and 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 do you know do you know what I think about every single day? I think about you st sitting in a room with the owner of that shop and laying out in no uncertain details that a fine a cart that was as finely crafted as the one that we were sold should have should have lasted that turn and a hundred others and breaking down the forty seven very sensible reasons why <laughs> not only should we not only should we not repair that cart, we should get a refund on that cart and I remember using that money on a getaway, and though I have not done enough to show you 
this and I see that and I, 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 it has never, it has always been a thing I, I've struggled with and it may be a thing I struggle with for many years more. I promise you that I have seen you in that same spotlight for every, every moment we have shared together in the last 10 years. And I pledge to continue, I pledge to, to, to show you and show everyone around you the spotlight that I see you in every moment of my day. Love, do you remember when we were just married and we were supposed to be off having this wonderful adventure, but instead we were just sitting in the apple orchard on the way to our destination and talking. I like that more than any other thing that happened on our honeymoon because it was just you and me and the world around us, everything bright and lovely. I can't promise that we will only have those moments, but I can tell you that I treasured that one more than many of the adventures that we've gone on, and I I want nothing more than to go on more of those more of those ordinary moments together. It was one of the happiest moments of my life. Mine too. So I think we have yeah, I think that's all of them. So so the next section, after you've gone through the role-playing aspect of the gauntlet, um, you basically total up your positive memories. And we each had, well, we each had two, is that right? Yeah, three positive, one negative, so we have six. Uh, six. Six, yes. Okay. Because we have six of them, then we get ending B. Hmm. There are different endings here, depending on how many positive memories you have. So with ending B, Orpheus steps into blinding brightness. They take two steps away from their entrance to the underworld, being careful not to look back. They are holding their breath, desperate with hope. They feel someone take their hand and turn to see Yuri's smiling face. And the two stand together, blinking in the light of a new day. I liked having the option of maybe... You don't have to have her stuck in the underworld. Maybe they do see each mm-hmm. other again. So. I like that. I like that. That's beautiful. What a good... And they are reunited in the mortal realm and live out the rest of their lives together. And when they die, they are reunited in the underworld. So finally, we have a lone scene acting as a denouement. Mm-hmm. This, uh, we, this, and this occurs after the ending has been determined. This is reflective of the tone of the game as the ending determined by the gauntlet. Um... I I have a proposal, okay. if I may. What is that? I would love to. I would. I would love to see us back in the underworld. <laughs> okay. Admittedly, um, I think. I think that we are together. I think we are sitting on a, on a boat. I think it is a long shot of us sitting together on a boat, just chatting, as if as if not a moment has passed. Right, just having conversation blissfully unaware of the world around us watching growing happening we we slowly that we we follow the camera a bit forward and we see that the person on the boat is the the ferryman of the river sticks carrying us to our place and we're just chatting we we are unbothered by being on this ship we are just chatting we arrive and uh we arrive and I think um, I would like to propose a character. I would like to propose something. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, I think that 
Who has set up a surprise for the other? I'm going to ask you the question. Who do we feel like has set up a surprise for the other here in the underworld of all places? That seems more of an Orpheus thing. So I think, so I I would like to propose then in this instance that it is the opposite of that. Okay. That, that, uh, I would like to propose that, uh, Yuri leans forward and is like, I, I, I have something to share with you. And the, the fairy hits a, hits the edge of a dock and standing on the dock, there is, uh, Sisyphus wearing, wearing a cape and crown in in the garb of a knight is Brutus next to him. In the garb of a in the garb of a of a of a of a of a of an advisor is Arsene next to next to Sisyphus. All of the knight, all of the other fighters are kind of around, and there's this big hullabaloo, and there is joy. There is joy. They are being. They are welcomed. They have shown the impact. They have they have touched lives of these people. There is a there is a, I think in the distance in a beach there is a there is a man a, there is there are there are two people in rags sitting and they give a wave and they are two long two old friends sitting uh sitting on the beach and they don't join the festivities but they wave and Orpheus waves back and Orpheus looks and everyone is is cheering and raising glasses and Orpheus says, "My love, I have also prepared a surprise." And what is that? And I think, um, I think the next thing we see is the two of us sitting, on, like the the part, the festivities are happening in the distance, and the two of us are sitting under a strawberry, like under, are sitting among strawberry bushes, just sitting, just chatting. There is there is a grove, and there is there is a there is a grove, there is an orchard, there is an orchard, and there is sitting in conversation, and the festivities will happen again in time. When when we are ready, but this is the afterlife that I wanted. This is the afterlife. This is the this is the spotlight that I promised, and this is the memory that that we that we treasured. And this is at the end of our story. This is the moment that I want to share with you. the The festivities and the laughter and the the Orpheusisms will come, but this is the moment that matters to Orpheus the most. That sounds what really lovely. <laughs> And that's game. Yeah. What a wonderful game. Oh my God, I'm so happy. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's uh, It can be uh, sometimes a little more tragic, but we actually did we did pretty well. <laughs> I feel like we did pretty well. I feel like that was a pretty good that was a pretty good experience. Um, Thank you so much for playing this with me. This was lovely. You're welcome. And thank you for playing with me. I really enjoyed it. So, uh, real quick, before we wrap things up, where can people find you, your work, and the Kickstarter for this game online? Okay, so um, you can find me on, on Twitter and pretty much anywhere else. Um, my handle is Honey in Hedgerow, not and in, because <laughs> because Twitter has a character limit and apparently and was too much for them. Um, but I own a company called Drowning Moon Studios. We publish games, and this is our newest one that's going to Kickstarter on October 7th. And you can find more of our games on drowningmoonstudios.com. Um, you can also find them on DriveThruRPG or on Itch. We're Drowning Moon Studios kind of everywhere. All right. Well, thank you so much for playing this with me. I, I had the absolute loveliest time. This was wonderful. I'm smiling ear to ear. <laughs> and for now, I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. 
Sounds Take good. a future me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Joey for coming onto the show. That game was incredible. What a beautiful story, a beautiful interpretation of that legend. It was uh, just a fantastic game, and I could not be happier with it. Be sure to go back, follow me down on Kickstarter, pick up the copy of the game, make the game happen. Uh, it's already funded, so you're pretty much just guaranteed to get a copy of the game. And be sure to follow Joey on Twitter at Honey and Hedgerow. Then while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod. Like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. Join our Discord community at bit.ly slash Discord. Check out our merch store at bit.ly slash Merch. And if you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a nice review on iTunes or Podchaser. Consider supporting the show financially at patreon.com slash jeffstormer or ko-fi.com slash jeffstormer. Or just tell a friend about the show, suggest us on social media, you know, do the things that people do when they like stuff, because it makes me feel better, and it brightens my day, and it helps new people find the show, and all of those things are great. Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran, featuring the D&D Sluggers, and the Party of One logo is by Evan Rowland. If you're sitting there thinking, God, I wish I had another hour of Jeff speaking into a microphone, I've got great news for you. All My Fantasy Children, a podcast on the One Shot Podcast Network, is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast powered by you. Every week, my best friend Eric Tano Saez and I take a listener-submitted prompt. We spin it into an original fantasy character, and we populate a shared universe one story at a time. New episodes drop every Friday-ish at OneShotPodcast.com. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates on Party of One, about press coverage of the show, or about guesting it yourself and playing a game, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. I, I think that's it. I'm pretty sure that's all we do here. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody.